Hey everyone, it's Pineapple. Just a quick note before we start the episode, this episode contains some not-so-nice four-letter words in it. We've bleeped them out, so if you hear this sound, that means it was bleeped. In the context of the sentences, it may be obvious what was said, so if you have kids, you may want to listen to this episode without them. Enjoy the show! Wholesome Transmissions is sponsored by Riptide Esports. Riptide is a fantastic upcoming esports organization that focuses on community and camaraderie more than just results. Similar to the message of this show, Riptide knows that player well-being and outlook is just as important as performance and skill, and that's why we're thrilled to be sponsored by them. Follow them on Twitter at Riptide underscore HQ and get plugged into their Discord server that's open to the public. Hey everyone, this is Pineapple, and we are back with another episode of Wholesome Transmissions, um, the show that is basically about esports, video games, the people that play them, how they impact those people, and pretty much everything else in between. And we're recording an episode for season two of the show, which we've titled Therapy Sessions. And again, the concept behind that is sort of kind of exploring the the failures and difficulties in life that um, our guests and ourselves have experienced and trying to find sort of hope and, and positivity um, in that. And on that note, our guest today is a, a perfect embodiment of that um, idea. Um, we have Tentan, um, aka Tentan Man, for anyone who um, knew him then, went by that. And we are just really glad to have uh, Ten on the show. So Ten Tan is a Twitch partner. Um, he's also working right now at a local bakery as a manager, and um, he's just a really friendly and outgoing person with just a really great outlook. And that's really why we wanted to have him on the show today. So um, Ten Tan, we uh, we met you through the Arms community when we were all playing that together, and um, just we're really happy to have you on the show. And how are you uh, doing today? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. I uh, I miss Arms. I miss the oh, 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 oh every day. It's good stuff. Uh, it's gonna. I think that's gonna haunt our dreams in the future down the road. <laughs> yeah, I mean, until they make arms too. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then it's all all happening all over again. Um, well, great. I'll be there for it. Oh yeah, no, we'll we will we will too. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody's gonna be there for it. Oh yeah. Well, hopefully it'll be bigger than Smash. Then you know, just like blow up and we'll have uh, lands everywhere. It'd be amazing. If they keep um, releasing more Fire Emblem characters, there's a chance. <laughs> yes, that's also true. We just had Violet <laughs> announced yesterday. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Violet? Yep, that's right. When was this recorded? Well, this episode was recorded on January 18th. I do believe this is a little bit before COVID-19 happened. Oh. Now, do you have any more questions, friend? Uh, no. Wait, do you always sound like this? Only on Sundays. Which I didn't really mind that much, but, you know. 
I didn't. I mean, my whole take on like the characters they released for Smash Bros is basically like, hey, they can do whatever they want. They already have a roster of like almost 80 characters at this point. Yeah, it's great. You know, I just want characters that are unique. It doesn't yeah. really matter if they're from the same franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you like ver- like diversity and um, different kits. And I think we've definitely seen that with the characters that they released so far. Um, but, you know, going oh, yeah, forward. Be, yeah, but I agree. It's 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 nice to see like new designs or different ways to play the game. And um, hopefully with the, the what they're doing, six more characters now. So hopefully we kind of see that going forward. Um but anyways, getting a little getting a little off track with Smash. Yeah. Um, but I was just hoping starting out, you kind of telling us about your your job um, as a manager at the bakery and, you know, how that's been going for you from, you know, doing Twitch before and now kind of going into this. So how how has the experience been? Um, it's been good. Uh, that's kind of a long story, honestly. But uh, I started there about a year ago. Mm-hmm. I needed a job on my feet uh, and active, and uh, it blew up really fast. I started there as a as a driver because we would deliver cookies and and you know uh, baked goods. And then mm-hmm. within the year, I now have my own store. So. Wow, that's <laughs> that's a pretty huge progression. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I before Twitch, I was I had management experience at both uh, GameStop and I know GameStop EU, and uh, <laughs> I I really don't mind GameStop that much, and then uh, Whole Foods for a little bit, so it was okay. It's a fast track. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. And then I think for for listeners who may not know, um, I kind of want to talk about how you got into Twitch then, and what your experience was kind of starting that out. And so, so I guess you know, why did you start streaming initially? I mean, what kind of drew you into it? And then um, we'll kind of take it from there. Well, as long as I can remember, I've been a gamer. You know, they would mm-hmm. put a controller in my hands as like a toddler and they'd unplug it. And my cousin would be like, come on, guys, he's better than that. And he'd plug it <laughs> in. And, you know, I was playing Mario since I was wearing diapers. And um, I guess I just grew up playing them so much. Um, it was funny as a, I know I'm <laughs> going off subject, but I have to That's explain okay. it. When I was uh, when I was a kid, I would have sleepovers all the time, and we would play Mario Party. But I was never allowed to play. And it didn't bother me. It was just because all I did all day long was play video games. So mm-hmm. when friends came over, I would always win because all I did was play. <laughs> and they're like, "We don't want to play Mario Party because we know who's going to win." You know, I'd always want people to have fun, uh, regardless. But I just could never play because I'd, I'd always win. Uh, mm-hmm. And I didn't get my first computer until I was 19. But okay. you know, I'd play Xbox Live with my friends, and I would always perform really well and i'd always just think deep down man i really want someone to watch this i want i feel like i'm really good i feel like you know um i need some way to showcase it and uh lo and behold when i was in my 20s and i got my first pc like gaming pc uh i got an alienware and um started to stream a little bit and i guess i was actually as pretty good you know and people would watch me play smite uh and moba yeah and um i don't know i just always had a really competitive drive and i wanted to broadcast that in some way shape or form since i was a kid that's really i mean that's really cool and i know from you know i've watched a lot uh, quite a few of your streams and saw that not only did you play competitive games but you also played like platformers or just a bunch of like random sort of games that maybe people like may not have heard of or oh, sure. um 
And I remember like I remember you playing Hat in Time, which was really <laughs> well, I loved Hat in Time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's such a good game. Oh my it's god. It's a really good game. No, I mean gaming in general, I love gaming. Um and there's uh, it's funny because I play so many competitive games and I think it's in my mm-hmm. nature to get really gravitated towards them and do one more game, one more game and I can play them all day long. Yeah. But as a whole, you know, I I just I love gaming in general as a hobby, as a passion. So, um there was the longest point, not so much anymore, especially at the bakery, but I would feel like anyone could mention any game and I would have played it and had something to say about it. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, that's really cool. And I think for me, at least getting like as I've gotten older, I play less games, obviously, because less time and, you know, life gets busy. Um, but I, I still gravitate more towards like indie games, you know, like I've been playing uh, Slay the Spire. And Risk oh, I of love Rain. Slay the Spire. Yeah. And Risk and, of Rain. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Those those are those have me. All hooked. games I streamed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, and. It's just so neat to, I mean, I think it's cool to play games off the beaten path and find hidden gems and stuff that maybe like, you know, like I don't, I typically don't play AAA games. There's very few like large scale games other than maybe Nintendo stuff that I would get really interested in. It's just, I I account it to the way the the video game industry as a whole has changed. Um, Mm -hmm. AAA titles are very, very expensive to produce and the people that go into that field don't, in my aspect, in my point of view, don't have such an ambition or a dream to make quality games like that. That's where you get indie mm-hmm. games where someone has an idea, uh, they're motivated by that idea, and they're able to create what's in their head. You know, exactly. how, how gaming used to be, when it was more experimental. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that, that encapsulates so many of these indie games that we've even just talked about. You know, I mean, like Risk of Rain, it was made by, I think, like two or three people, right? And yeah. it was just like, it, it blew up, but it's just such like, what if we made this sort of uh, combat or this sort of experience and we just took it to the extreme and then you have a game. And then, you know, with a lot of indie games, I feel like they also, the developers focus on DLC content. Like Shovel Knight came out with like what its fourth campaign not too long ago. Yeah, King <laughs> Cards. Yeah, which is like crazy to me because I'm like, you didn't even have to pay any extra. The developers are just continuing to put out quality stuff, you know? Right. Um, so for you then, playing such a large amount of games and streaming them on Twitch, what are some of either like the games that you've streamed that you have enjoyed the most or had a standout experience with or maybe specific moments uh, from your Twitch career? Um, so, I mean, I've I've streamed for about five years. There's a lot of games I played. And honestly, there's games I've beaten that I probably wouldn't even remember unless someone was like, hey, you remember that game? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I remember that game. Um, so there are a lot, and if I were to think about a few specific moments, there there definitely are a, a few. Um, uh, two, I think, or three, I, I'd include Arms in that. But um, mm-hmm. I'd say there was a game on the the PS4 called Let It Die. It was a okay. free game by a Grasshopper uh, manufacturer. And um, have you heard of Let It Die? I have not. So explain nope. it. Explain it briefly. So I was the first person in the world to beat Let It Die. Um, and this was, I had just recovered from my open heart surgery and I was, uh, I was basically for a month, I wasn't allowed to do anything. I had to sit at home all day. So I decided to basically stream, let it die for like 16 hours a day. And the, the way let it die works is it plays like a souls game where it's hard, it's punishing. Um, and, uh, you have these boss fights and these floors, but the way the game works is it's free. 
mm-hmm. when you die, you have a choice of paying to revive yourself or starting again from the beginning. <laughs> and it goes up to 50 floors as of bosses. And the further you get, you can unlock shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And um, if you die, you can go back to your corpse and get some of your money. Yeah. But if you don't get high enough to get to these elevators and shortcuts, it's it really it was almost like an old arcade machine where you would put in another quarter and put in another quarter. And um, we were getting so far. And since I was playing it for 16 hours a day, I remember we were at the last boss. And the last boss was obscenely hard. And every time I would die, we we had about 3,000 people watching me organically. Mm-hmm. Do, you know, beat, let it die. And every time I died, my donations would blow up because <laughs> everyone was like, revive, revive. We need to see what happens. And so, yeah, we ended up beating the game. And I just remember the excitement getting to the boss and the chat was blowing up because they they were hoping because we didn't they didn't tell us there were 50 floors we just kept higher and higher and higher and we didn't know when it stopped we didn't know if there was another area or what but that was that was just a joy I, i loved let it die it was a really fun experience that sounds amazing. That sounds yeah. I, I now I did look it up and I was like, yes, I do remember this game. So I, I never had played it, but I remember yeah. I remember the whole idea of like a free to play Dark Souls game. And I was like, oh, man, a free to play Dark Souls game where you can pay to revive when you die. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, it but, was it was trouble because uh, um, you uh, you could also revive organically with money, but mm-hmm. money was really hard to get in the game, like in-game currency. Yeah, uh, you could raid other people's worlds and steal from them. So I would die and lose like hours worth of content. So I just have to grind up and rob all these players so I could pay for it instead of like using five dollars. <laughs> oh my god, jeez! And um, you mentioned that you maybe had like a third or, or standout experience or something. One of my favorite experiences, and this was right before I got partnered. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my friends lent me her, uh, her modded 3ds and, uh, so Rick. we could, I could stream it and I'd never played a Pokemon game before. Um, Ooh. and so I decided okay. to stream Omega Ruby and it was Ooh. our first ever playthrough and it was a Nuzlocke. <laughs> and, um, there's a lot of clips still on my stream of me dying to the elite four and doing all these things. And it was just, it was such a joy to watch because I didn't know any of the typings. I didn't know any of the Pokemon. I didn't know what beat what. And a Pokemon, someone would, you know, you know, a trainer battle would pop up and someone would throw out a Pokemon. And I'd be like, what does this even do? And I would throw out another Pokemon and chat would be like, oh my God, no, you're gonna. And mods are like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. And everyone was getting really attached to the Pokemon because I was, I was of course, naming them after people in the chat. Yeah. So they're like, please, please, God, don't kill me. That's so and funny. No, I remember beating like the second gym with uh, a Zigzagoon and uh, he was all I had left and I kept doing the sand attack to blind him over and over and doing one damage per tick against the, the rock thing with the nose. That tells you how much I know about Pokemon. Um, so, but that's so good. funny. So for any uh, for any listeners who does it, who don't know what Nuzlocke is, I think most people do by this point. But Nuzlocke is when you essentially play Pokemon, and if a Pokemon faints, um, you cannot revive them. You have to let them go. Like they just they're permanently dead. Yeah. Um, which makes the game so much harder. And I can't imagine, especially as, for your first time playing a Pokemon game, uh, doing a Nuzlocke run because 
I mean, I feel the same way with some Pokemon games now. Like I play, I've played all of them mm-hmm. and um, radio and I just got really into Pokemon sword and shield. But I mean, I cannot tell you, like I go into these battles and I've seen these Pokemon before. Yeah. Sure. But I have no idea what typing they are. Like I have, I don't know what moves work against things. I'm just like, just, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it took us like four playthroughs to actually win because I, I I would die early on the first two times and then I finally got the hang of it. Then I lost at the Elite Four. Mm-hmm. So we started over. And then oh, after man. that, we did a randomizer run. And I won't talk too much about this one, but it was really funny because, you know, I, I modded it and randomized all the Pokemon. Yep. And then right in the beginning of the game where you have your first battle with May um and she's supposed to have you know whatever pokemon you didn't pick she yeah. had a, a mega mewtwo y <laughs> and we got soft locked because there's no possible way to win <laughs> and oh so i was just losing their mind that that's ridiculous oh my goodness that sounds that sounds like a, a lot of fun and, it, and that experience also reminds me of way back when when uh twitch plays pokemon first came out right oh, and yeah, yeah. yes yeah and um, for any listeners who don't remember Twitch Plays Pokemon, let me give you a brief description of it. It was basically a stream of Pokemon. I think it was Pokemon Red. Was it Yellow? Pokemon Yellow? I um, think it was Yellow. Yeah. So it was a stream of Pokemon Yellow on Twitch where users inputted what the command, like what uh, the character did in the Pokemon game via chat. And there was like two different modes where it was one mode where it would just take the list of all the Twitch stream, like Twitch chat, which was a lot of responses, like thousands and do it in order. And then, or I think they had a voting system, right? Where it would do it like every 20 seconds or like take the, take the action um, that was voted highest or something. But yeah. essentially it was like anarchy in Pokemon. Like, you know, it was all user created in chat and it was just an insane time. And that kind of reminds me of that because you like people grew attached to the Pokemon in the game, like the different Pokemon that they ended up catching. And you it it brings like this extra emotional layer to Pokemon that you don't find elsewhere. And I could definitely see for you if you're streaming it with like viewers and people are like, you named it after me. Don't let it die. (laughs) Absolutely. Because they'd be gone the whole run and they were so invested. (laughs) And you cannot even imagine what's the red the red dude from Omega Ruby, the legendary guy. Groudon. Groudon. Yeah. So we the Nuzlocke rules are when you go into an area, you can only catch the first Pokemon you run into. Mm-hmm. And so I go into the the area where you're going to fight him later and I catch a, a Mobile. Mm-hmm. And so I get to the fight with him and Nuzlocke rules. I can't catch him. <laughs> and so I we must have had like 600 people in there. And uh, they're all so divided, screaming, catch him, catch him. You have to catch him. No, he can't catch him. The rules state he can't catch him. And I'm like sitting there for 30 minutes looking at my chat. Just go insane. And I'm getting death threats from oh my people if, if I were to oh knock out goodness. this Pokemon. <laughs> oh, my of course, goodness. I, I, I knock him out and people unsubscribe. They unfollow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm telling you, it was What's insane. The... Oh, people are crazy. Holy crap. That's so it funny. was insane. It was like Jeez. choosing the dark or light side. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to follow the rules, man. Yeah. Well, that's Another thing 
another thing from my favorite thing from uh, Twitch Plays Pokemon was like the names that they would give them because they was randomly uh, inputting the letters for each yeah. name. So you had like Bird Jesus and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the name for Zapdos in the Twitch Plays Pokemon run was like Bird Jesus, and then there's like the whole cult following of uh, Helix, right? The Church of Helix. Yeah, the Church yeah. of Helix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some. Those are those are that was a really fun time for for the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. That was a while ago. We gather here today, disciples of Helix, to worship our one true false Lord, and lead us not over ledges, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Now is not the time to use that. Amen. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so I guess, Tan, and I, what I want to ask you next is now outside of Twitch, just in general, like what what have been some of the most defining games for you throughout your life? Thanks. I know you said you know earlier how you've been playing games your entire life. And so what are some of the standout games for you? Um, and then we'll, uh, like what are maybe your recommendations to player uh, people right now to maybe pick up something oof i would have to think about that because i had played so many games um one of the biggest games for me as a child uh, i learned how to read because um when i was a kid i always played my super nintendo mm-hmm. and uh i could understand numbers but i couldn't read so when i was playing super mario rpg i'd always have to call oh, on my yeah. sisters my older sisters and they'd be like ah, what do you want and i'm like can you read this cutscene for me i don't know what's happening Aww, that's so, so cute. they they come in and they read all the dialogue it happened with final fantasy uh six as well when it was three on the snes <laughs> So they yeah. have to read everything. And if they weren't available, I just sit there and wait for them to you know, come to like read. And so I, was, I just got frustrated. So, you know, Super Mario RPG inspired me and motivated me to learn how to read. That's and awesome. um, played that numerous times. I mean, I grew up with RPGs heavily since I was a child playing all the Final Fantasy titles. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think something that really gave me my weebiness was when I was uh, 11, I walked into GameStop and my dad was like, you can pick out one game. And I saw on the shelf for PS2, Disgaea, Hour of Darkness. <laughs> okay. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I bought that when I was 11. I fell in love. I got all of them as soon as they came out. Two, three, four, all of the Nis American Nippon Itchy spinoffs. Uh, oh, wow. ate that stuff up and I always recommend uh, Disgaea I, I know the fifth one's on the Switch it's a really good yeah. title good oh, SRPG no. fourth one just came out on the Switch too uh, it has a better story but five is better gameplay um, <laughs> no I mean as far as games go I've played a, a lot of games yeah. like it, it's almost like they get wiped out of my memory oh, <laughs> every I know. year because and then you remember a game and you remember how much you liked that game exactly i was literally this morning i was going through my ds games and um i started playing it's a very obscure ds game called magical star sign um mm-hmm. And it's an, a JRPG made by the company that made the uh, Mother 3 and also the Mana series for like the okay. Super Nintendo and Game Boy. Um, but it's like this really obscure JRPG that I must have just picked up at Walmart when I was like 11 or 12 for like 10 bucks. And I just fell in love with it. And it's like, I just completely like you forget about it. Right. Yeah. And it's so and I think we've, we've talked on the show before about how for people like like us who gaming is like one of if not our main hobby 
um, you do grow really emotionally attached to games and they like help you honestly develop like socially or like they help you understand like, you know, especially with with games with good stories, they can honestly help you understand social situations a lot better. Right. Sure. Um, or just in terms of the emotional impact or just uh, your enjoyment out of it, it, it definitely can make an impact on you going forward. And I mean, I can think of a bunch of games that give me like a, a tingle in my gut, you know, like yeah, yeah, the yeah. good nostalgic feeling like Mega Man Legends 2 or Dark Cloud or, you know, just older, older games more so, mm-hmm. I think. Um as of recent, uh, I don't know, Celeste, Nair Automata, Divinity Original Sin 2. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Slay the Spire. Have you ever seen Dicey Dungeons? No, I have not. Really? Did you like no. Slay the Spire a lot? I, I have only recently picked it up, so I put about like 10 hours into it. But yes, I love the concept of like the deck building roguelike experience. So what what are maybe your like top JRPGs? I mean, it doesn't have to be like a, a list or an order, but what are some of those standouts for you then? Um, Final Did Fantasy VI. I like the Tales series quite a bit. Okay. Um, man, there's there's so many. Uh, I, I love SRPGs a lot. Uh, there was a game that came out recently. Um, with the grid base, it came out on the Switch. Um, it, it was almost like Advanced Wars, but every round the map would get smaller. Um, was it Was it Wargroove or no? Am I thinking? Of no, not Wargroove. Um, SRPG Into the Breach. Into the Breach, yes. That game was really uh, fun, too. Okay. I like that one a lot. Or XCOM. Anything that's an SRPG, I always loved. DS had a lot of, like... The DS, the 3DS, all of them, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of really good ones. There was one on the DS that was made by Atlas that was um, had time travel in it. Um, God, Atlas... DS RPG time travel. It's like <laughs> that's the best Google search. <laughs> Radiant Historia. Radiant oh, wow. Historia was grand. I loved that game. It was really, really good. I know because there's also uh, like Eternal Sonata and so many games that sound similar. Eternal Sonata was really good. That was the Xbox 360 RPG about the pianist uh, that uh, died. Um, fantasy oh, okay. Stuff. Gotcha. Really good one. A lot of, a lot of really weird SRPGs and RPGs and JRPGs. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love, I love our, like a good RPG with a good story, music. I mean, it just combines some of the best elements of video oh, games. Oh, man. Opinion. Soundtracks are one of the biggest selling points. Oh, um, Bradley Default is a yeah, really good RPG. I was, I was just about to say that. And That's one of the was... best OSTs <laughs> in general. Yeah. And yeah. I was so stoked when I saw that Bravely Default 2 is bringing back the composer because Bravely yeah. Second had a different one. Oh, yeah. No, I'm so looking forward to that. Um, and Octopath Traveler, I don't know if you played that, but yeah, that I game did. had a phenomenal soundtrack. It did. I, I enjoyed the soundtrack. The only difference was the soundtrack, and they were different composers, but the soundtrack from Bravely Default has like eight to nine minute straight tracks without loops. And while mm-hmm. Octopath Traveler has a really good soundtrack, they're mostly just one yeah. 30 to two minute loops. Yeah, exactly. They're not long. Speaking of uh, 3DS RPGs, uh, polarizing, but I th- prefer the SMT games more than mm-hmm. Persona. I don't know if you've played much of them. I I, I haven't played um, any of the main series like Shimagami. Oh, they're so games. good. And they um, when the Switch, before the Switch was announced, they said Shimagami Tensei 5 was coming out for it. That's one of the main and, reasons I bought the Switch. And it's and still then, not here. <laughs> we, we haven't even seen a trailer since before oh the Switch was coming out. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I, Persona 5 is like one of my favorite games, really, of all time. I mean, I, I just, 
I, I, I like really liked Persona it. Five. Um, I I also liked it because of the story. So for me, I, like I said before, the story for me impacts like impacts me probably a little more than the gameplay at times. And I thought that the story of like the issues with society and like and how people like handle situations and just how crappy things can get, you know, sure. that really spoke to me. I get that. I liked Persona Five, and I liked the story. I just felt like there was too much story. And maybe as a streamer, mm-hmm. it I streamed the whole game. And yeah. when when ninety percent oh, this reminds me because I really like Danganronpa. I can talk about that later too. Ninety <laughs> percent um, of my stream of an RPG is just me reading. Yeah, it, it, you start to get winded. <laughs> you get yeah, tired. If you're reading all the dialogue, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I love Danganronpa. It's one of my favorite series of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever ever heard of Danganronpa? Yeah, yes. I yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, um, and that's that's a whole the whole point of that series is hope versus despair. But mm-hmm. that's literally just a visual novel, and I I streamed all of them, and it's yeah. just it hurts you throw it after a while. <laughs> I, yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> that's funny. Um, well, great. Well, awesome, man. Well, I think on that note, we will we'll take our short little break um, for the second half. And in the second half, we're going to delve into sort of uh, your eSport you know, involvement, um, playing competitive games a bit more, and then also talk about mentality and, and some of that. So we will be back. everyone so we are back with our second half of the episode with 10 uh tonight or today whatever time of day you're listening really and one quick thing i just thought was kind of funny was the fact that we record an episode with our friend nine whole grains and now we have a person in here uh named 10 so we're kind of going down the number list we're going to try to find an 11 for next episode um (laughs) we're gonna we'll, we'll dig we'll dig for it um, and then diving into our second half, I know we we kind of talked extensively in the first half, just kind of about your background, with video games and your experience playing games your whole life. But um, talking about like esports and competitive gaming, I was just kind of curious what was what has been your experience with with playing games competitively, and like what were some of maybe your first games that you experienced really going for that. Um, well, competitive play, like I said, when I was younger, I didn't have a lot of exposure to it. I would go to local tournaments um, for, uh, and it's actually odd. It's funny thinking back to it now. I would go to GameStop when new games were released and they'd have tournaments or I'd go to little local stuff for Gears of War and Call of Duty. And uh, I'd always win. Um, I remember it was funny. GameStop had like a local Gears of War tournament. And um, it was like five lives, one v ones, and I didn't die a single time. <laughs> oh, jeez! Uh, and uh, once again, I, I, it kind of made me feel reminiscent as a kid, and I felt bad. I felt guilty because mm-hmm. uh, I, at that point, I felt like I was dampening the experience for other people. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I would play, you know, whatever chance I had to be in, in any sort of competitive environment. Uh, once I got older and got onto Twitch, uh, you know, I, w- I would play Smite semi-competitively at uh, tournaments and whatnot, and and fighting games as well. Uh, Arms helped out a lot with that too. Um, mm-hmm. 
I actually have a funny story I want to tell you guys about arms at some point, but <laughs> I mean, we can we can talk about it now. Why not? Um, so uh, <laughs> at the uh, at some of the PAX events um, at the Nintendo booth, they would have mm-hmm. uh, arms uh, up on the on the thing and yeah. um, kids would be playing for prizes. And uh, the commentator, who was a friend of mine, he would uh, he would tell whoever was up there that if they won, you know, so many games in a row, they would get a prize, right? Yeah. And uh, I just remember so vividly, uh, it was Pack South, and uh, this kid had won nine games in a row. And I had walked by the booth, and me and the the commentator, uh, he's a really good. His you can find him on Twitter. His name's Hollywood. He's a good guy. Um, but he he looks me in the eye, and we make eye contact, right? And uh, he he stops, and he's like, "All right." I can give you a prize now, or you can play one more person of my choosing for an even bigger prize. And, oh. uh, you know, the kid already beat nine people and he's already on a winning spree. He feels like he's doing really good. And so, of course, he says, yeah, absolutely. And so at this point, this was when I was like number one on the arms leaderboards and winning mm-hmm. all the arms tournaments and stuff. And, uh, you know, you, you knew my my repertoire on Twitter or Twitch. Yeah. I, I brag a lot. I didn't necessarily think I was the best person in the world. But if you asked me, I'd tell you. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Um, so Hollywood goes, all right, well, we have Tintan here, one of the number one arms players in the world. I come up here and um, we're up there playing and uh, we're playing on I remember it's um, what the god my memory is so trash the trash yard the wreck yard map whatever uh, scrapyard. it's called scrapyard scrapyard we're playing and uh, I've been streaming arms for so long and it's in my nature in my habit when I'm playing to try and help people or tell them what they're doing wrong it's just mm-hmm. a force of habit oh no so I'm on stage <laughs> and I'm playing this kid and I'm like you need to, he's playing his twin talent I'm like you need to stop jumping so much you gotta try and do this do that and uh, and Hollywood's on the mic, and he's like, Tintan is teaching this kid how to play while he's kicking his <laughs> on stage. And uh, I ended up getting a double perfect. And um, oh no! So the kid, before he gets off stage, he he turns to you know the the commentator and was like, "Can I at least see what I would win?" And so uh, Hollywood opens up the backpack of the stuff he would have won if he had just walked away, and it was two headsets and a limited edition Legend of Zelda Switch. Oh my! Oh, oh my I, goodness! I was like, dude, Hollywood, you're gonna get me pulled aside and stabbed, man! <laughs> I'm swindling these kids. I did not consent to this. Obviously, oh, it worked geez. well for him because then he got to keep more prizes to give away later. Oh my but, goodness! Oh, but like, still, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it like was this bad. guy knew exactly what he was doing too. Oh man! <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was it was awful. Sorry to go off subject of a competitive play, but that that was one of my most interesting memories when it came to arms. But um, back into competitive play uh, and um, arms was a a big step up for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was doing so well in arms, uh, I'm a partner with Square Enix. Yeah. And Square Enix, actually, uh, they reached out to me and uh, they flew me out to Orange County to start one of the competitive leagues for uh, Dissidia NT, the Final Fantasy fighting game. Yeah, yeah. So it was me and a lot of other people in the fighting game community. Zero and uh, Naira were there. Um, I remember, wasn't Osti like really big into that Dissidia game? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Osti was there too. Yeah. Uh, there was so so we were all at this esports arena in Orange County, mm-hmm. and we were doing the Decidia NT tournament. We ended up getting we lost in the semifinals to Zero because Zero and his whole team were just using Cloud even before they sat down. Zero's <laughs> like, I'm sorry, man. I'm gonna apologize ahead of time because Cloud was so broken in the game. He was so busted. That's so crazy. they apologized before the match because I was like, I'm gonna play who I think is yeah, cool. Exactly, exactly. You play who yeah. you want to play. Oh my goodness. But uh, we ended up losing. But the funny thing was, um, Hess, another person yeah. in the, uh, he, he ran into me there and he invited me into an arms tournament. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of people there who were ready to play. And then they saw me and people because they put money in a pot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people disqualified themselves and took their money and left. Oh, my goodness. He put me into the tournament. <laughs> That's insane. Jeez. <laughs> I felt really bad, but we played and, you know, I won. That's um, awesome. It was good stuff. So it was, it was just really fun meeting people in the arms community. Honestly, yeah. that was, that's what I wanted. I didn't necessarily want to play in the tournament. I just wanted to hang out with the people I was seeing on Twitch all the time. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's what I loved about like I was able to go to Smash and Splash uh, four and five. And I would say the biggest takeaway for me from both those tournaments is not like the actual tournament itself but the just hanging out with people from the arms community and just like going to the water park and just like talking and hanging out and playing arms in hotel rooms and that experience of just having the community there in person was like meant so much you know actually it was honestly a phenomenal experience i loved it because i was so involved with arms at the moment and i arms wasn't even on my spectrum when i was there for the city i was at the bar Mm -hmm. and you know hess just comes right behind me and i'm (laughs) i'm so ecstatic you know i'm like dude let's get a photo come on and where's everybody else he pulls me in and we're just you know saying what's up to all these people i started seeing Austin all around the place after that too that's funny Jeez. he and uh he and d1 were like side by side most of the time mm-hmm. um that's well, that's really cool that's a that's an awesome story <laughs> um and so what what drew you into arms then because i know it's we've talked to other people about like what kind of got them interested in the game and it kind of ranges a lot i, I mean I, I like so what was your experience um so when i played um uh, when i played arms i i was streaming most nintendo stuff Mm -hmm. uh i was a big nintendo fan i still am and nintendo did a lot for me on my stream it's what really got me partnered with mario maker and uh well let it die was not nintendo but mario maker smash brothers mario kart and uh when the switch came out obviously we're all on board that hype train um, and it was kind of a thirsty period. Uh, there wasn't much coming out after the, the launch of the console. We played Breath of the Wild. And then I think the next big flagship thing was ARMS. And yep. we had, uh, there were the test punches that they called them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was playing them and I realized, you know, I've always been good at fighters, uh, above average. Uh, if I really tried, uh, I could probably achieve more if I, you know, labbed it out and looked at all the data and stuff. But that's a lot of commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, as soon as I played ARMS, it was just so natural. Uh, <laughs> I was just really, really good at the game. Um, and it was just a joy to play and the community kind of funneled in and there weren't a lot of people streaming arms. Uh, so they kind of find their, their little hinges their spots. Yeah, exactly. And it took off from there. Um, it, honestly, it was just, it was odd to me too. I was just unusually good at the game. Well, I think, and I mean, for you though, it seems like, uh, like you're just kind of a, almost like a savant at being able to pick up almost any game and just like understanding the mechanics what the wind condition is and j- figuring it out very fast and i think it yeah it comes to uh 
I, I I've had a lot of experience with games in general. Mm-hmm. And so I think you can kind of get to the picture within minutes of having that controller in your hands and knowing what needs to be done. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing in arms, and it's kind of what I relate to my skill with shooters with shooting games. I've never been the shroud of snapping to something and killing them in an instant, mm-hmm. but I've always been really good at taking a bullet, knowing if I run around the corner, knowing if I go to this area, what that person is going to do, what they're going to respond with, and how I'm going to kill them. Yeah. Um, it's just reading and anticipating. And I think ARMS has a lot in that, where it was just a mind game. It's just a constant mind game. Exactly. Um, even in high-level play, it really comes down to rock, paper, scissors with a little bit thrown in there. You know, it's wake up. You knock them over. You get up. You're going to figure out what they're going to do. You're going to try to anticipate and respond. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I agree, because with, with with arms in particular as a fighting game, arms is essentially all neutral. You know, it's been described like that. There is no edge guarding or whatever. It's all neutral play. So you have to be able to read your opponent. And um, for you, you know, because I've been around since the game came out, I kind of always have sort of analyzed the top players and what I think they're really what, what they really excel at. And for you, I think it's always been that um, doesn't necessarily matter what the new meta is. It doesn't really matter what, <laughs> like... we still going to use the tri-blast. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, you use the same loadout and same character throughout the entire game, but you just had such a good way of reading opponents and figuring it out in the moment that even if you came up against something that you hadn't seen, right? Like, you were, you stopped away from the, from the game for a little bit or something. You come back, people are using new characters, new loadouts. You just had such right. a good way of being able to adapt in the moment to whatever you're fighting and being able to read your opponents and still do really well with like the same loadout and um, in most cases in arms like that just wasn't the case people had to change up what they were doing and you just had a very uh, like high level of um, I guess thoughtfulness would be the I think I think one of the best ways to describe it right yeah I I can kind of see that and my my viewers would say the same thing um when I would play arms even if it was like a best two out of three or you know two rounds Mm -hmm. I might lose the first round or I might lose the first set but that would usually give me enough time to already know the mannerisms Mm -hmm. that that person was going to do yeah sometimes I would even throw a round just because I'm labbing and seeing exactly how they're going to respond to something and then I would know it would give me the information that I needed and arms while it does have quick reflexes, it still gave you some of the travel time and leeway to anticipate. It's almost like an anime where they talk for a little bit and then they throw a punch, you know, and you're yeah. like, oh, no, he knew just what I was going to do. Yeah, yeah like sort of um, sort of sizing up your opponent and figuring it out, like what their patterns are, what they're going to yeah. try to do. Um, yeah. And so what other when you like were in um, a tournament or competitive mindset, like so if you if you know what your opponent is doing or you're, you're kind of prepared for like, walk me through kind of what went through your head during a, a set, you know, and like what, what you kind of were looking for. Um, in competitive play, uh, it would depend on a few things. Uh, I, I don't normally analyze until I realize I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. I usually just stay very aggressive uh, in, t- in the entire time. Uh, I put as much pressure as I can try and get them into a panic. Uh, if I end up becoming too predictable and they start to read me, that's when I need to take a step back. I need to pace myself. And then I need to notice more so their habits. I notice their habits when I'm putting pressure on them, but that kind of turns into instinct. Yeah. Uh, I don't think too much about it. I know that they're going to get up. They're going to block. That's a split second thing. I, I, there's no words in my head. It's just 
it's it's hard to explain but once you you start to lose you have to analyze and you have to see and you have to see their habits and maybe trick them into those habits make them uncomfortable don't uh, confidence plays a lot into it too when they start to win or they get around on you they'll start to make mistakes mm-hmm. um, they'll start to get cocky you can always tell when you're fighting someone when they're getting cocky because they play differently yeah. they'll play too aggressive they'll make little mistakes here or there there's just a lot that goes into your head um and just like you're not thinking about it in words, it's almost hard to describe with words. It's uh, it just comes down to instinct and muscle memory and anticipation. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's a really good way of, of putting it. And um, so and I guess one of the questions I did want to ask you was always kind of I know you did dabble with a lot of other characters in the game, but you were really known for playing Min Min and your tribe uh, tribal and um Cool. What is it? Tribal Chilla. Chilla. I was, I was like, I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, for you, um, was it about like being able to play that particular loadout and character because you just you know either liked it aesthetically or just kind of gravitated towards it, or like sort of why did you kind of go down that route of playing that? Because I know in fighting games people pick a character or anything for a lot of reasons. I'm just kind of curious to know what yours are. So when I go into a fighting game, I look at all the characters, and everyone when a fighting game's coming out, they think of who they they're going to want to try to play, but they don't know if they're going to like that character until they get their hands on it. It's the most frustrating thing when a game's coming out and they're like, "I'm a whatever main." Have you the game's not out yet? You don't know what you're going to settle on. <laughs> yeah, that is not a thing. Yeah. Um. And so I usually would pick a character in my head, and they wouldn't be what I would like, and I would go towards something else. For instance. Smash Brothers, I thought Incineroar was stupid, but now he's my main. Okay. Um, and uh, I know he's not very good, but he's so fun. He's so reactionary. It's so much fun to just slaughter people. Um, but with ARMS, I immediately wanted to use Min Min. Uh, she was interesting to me. I liked her character design. And of course, uh, Twitch and my whole community, it's like waifu alert. We got to go with <laughs> the meme. Yeah. Uh, noodle waifu. But um they, when when she came out and I got my hands on her, it was just one of the first times in a fighting game that I actually really liked the per- first person I settled on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up picking up and using Springman too. I would use, towards the end of ARMS, I was using Springman about 40% of the time. No, 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 no. I, I was probably using Min Min like 60% of the time, then Master Mummy and Springman mm-hmm. like 20, 20 each. Um, but I just enjoyed her a lot. I liked her mechanic because I'm aggressive and her, her dragon arm allows you to stay aggressive and keep that pressure constantly while still having the mobility that other characters didn't have, like Max Brass. Mm-hmm. Um, although I still think Max Brass. I'm not going to get on to arms, man. <laughs> I'm not talking about the meta today. Um, no worries. Yeah. If we're not here to, we're not here to make a tier yeah. list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but she was just really fun. She was very comfortable and, um, if I find something I like, I don't really find the need to change it. Uh, I got the tools that I needed. Yeah. And I would always keep the Hydra on just in case I needed to deal with the situation. I felt like the Hydra was kind of a cop out, though, whenever I fought a heavy that was putting too much pressure on me or someone who was too aerial focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but even then, I would challenge myself. Sometimes I would just use two chillas. And I would just keep freezing people. I would oftentimes put myself, if it wasn't competitive play, I would put myself at a disadvantage just to enjoy and have fun and try and mess with people and, and see what i could get them to do mm-hmm. yeah I, I, your way the way that you play the game is uh, in my opinion very focused on reading your opponent like like almost entirely the way that you play the game is having that like mental connection with your opponent and figuring out how you can outmaneuver them sure um which is really great i mean that's really 
like really neat to see. And it, uh, for me, I think that that also, it can be very taxing on you <laughs> mentally to, to try to play like that all the time. Cause I think it's easy to fall back onto motor, you know, muscle memory and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it can be a little draining, but so is broadcasting for yeah. 12 hours straight, <laughs> constantly talking. I mean, when arms came out, um, I was uh, about a, two, two months afterwards, I was on the front page of Twitch yeah. And the arms community asked me to play arms. Uh, I actually did it for them. Uh, they they requested it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's get this game some exposure. Yeah, I remember so, that. So, yeah, oh, no, yeah. you're having like four or five thousand people. And they're like, what is this game? <laughs> that was such a, that, yeah, that was such a cool time. And also, I think it's neat because um, arms is just a cool, aesthetically looking game that, you know, like I don't think yeah. a lot of people have given a fair shot and just seen like, wow, that, that actually does look pretty cool. So, I mean, I will say with my time with arms. I, I may come off as an egotistical asshole sometimes when I talk about my, my prowess with video games. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I love my community. I love the people I interact with. And I tried really hard for ARMS. I did. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to give it you know some growth and push it in the right directions. I enjoyed my community. I enjoyed the Discord for ARMS. I spent a lot of time on all those revenues. So, I mean, I... I may have phased out due to both my health and other things, but I did have a lot of uh, interest in it. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. And, um, you know, I, I, tr- I certainly saw the fact that, you know, you were pushing the game as much as you could and, and trying to build the scene, and uh, which is great. You know, I think a lot of people in the community did that and those are the people that really made an impact and sort of helped the community grow and also maintain itself over the, the time it was active. So. Um, yeah really really cool to see that and then i guess you know you're just talking about um your health and i guess you know as we kind of move on to the third segment on our show which is sort of um outlook and mentality discussion you know i i remember in the arms community it was it was a really scary experience to see you like pictures of you in the hospital and um just you know while you were having a lot of those health complications so maybe if we could just you know kind of delve into why don't you kind of tell listeners sort of what what you've had in terms of health complications and how that's impacted you well um when i was 19 i was getting a physical and i felt funny so i got it um well i was working out and i felt funny so i got a physical and they listened to my heart and they told me that it didn't sound right and uh, I ended up getting an exam and a guy went to a cardiologist and they did a bunch of work and found out that I was born with a heart disease I wasn't aware of. Mm-hmm. And um, about four years ago, I had open heart surgery. Prior to that, I had a lot of existential moments. You know, I was thinking, why me? I'd be up at night staring at my ceiling, blasting my chemical romance. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, just real angsty, though, man. Yeah. Um and I made a lot of choices in my life before my surgery that I regretted um, because I was very spontaneous, you know, and I didn't know how much longer I was going to be here. But towards uh, once I got closer to the surgery, I started to have a revelation that we really only live one life. Um, yeah. And our lives are both the most important things to us and the most meaningless things uh, because our experience, we're only here for a second. You know, uh, we won't reflect on it, at least in my own beliefs afterwards yeah so every moment we're here has such a massive impact and uh you know i all my friends are engineers in school slaving for you know paychecks not doing something they really loved and i just i always liked gaming and i really really wanted to make a career out of it and so i I pushed really hard uh to make that happen uh, at least the satisfaction i got now uh, 
right now, currently, because of my health, I had to abandon that for a little bit. And I'm not the happiest person about that. But if yeah. I were to let that make me defeated, you know, what's the point? It's just, no, honestly, we, like I said, we only live one life. And if we waste time being upset or groveling, that's time we could be spending, you know, achieving something or moving forward or going towards our goals. Yeah. It wasn't just the heart surgery, you know, uh, a, two, a year and a half ago when I was in the arms community, um, you know, I had three pulmonary embolisms mm-hmm. in my right lung. Uh, and then this year I had endocarditis and I was hospitalized for three weeks. Um, and it, it kind of becomes a running joke. It's like one more thing. What next? What next? But yeah, um, like I said, you just can't you can't let it bring you down. Um because you are it's just our life i'm getting tongue twisted but our life is so valuable and i can't i can't articulate it enough exactly i can't articulate how many people have come into my stream and talked about how shitty things are for them but they have to realize that things always get better you know no matter what i've been through i can go into my kitchen in the middle of the night have an ice cold glass of water drink it and just think man that was refreshing this is a great life there's so many possibilities in the world you know yeah despite all the hardships exactly yeah i know i know i know we were talking during the break about the idea of like you know well for me being like a really positive person all the time right and for me it's like i am not always a positive person like i am extremely cynical and oftentimes think that like conditions and the way society is run and the way the world works just isn't going to get better and it just life is extremely difficult but then i think about the fact that i can go like right now uh after we record this i can go out to like any number of restaurants and eat amazing food i can get whatever like i can go out and enjoy life go to the beach whatever um, just the fact that I'm alive and can experience, Absolutely. you know, experience uh, so many things. It's that it's that weird, like extremes of crushing depression and also like really good optimism about what can happen and what can go on. You know, um, we are we are so lucky. And despite people feeling bad for me when I always tell them not to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I may have had a a shit hand at things, but there are so many people that are way worse off, you know, that can't even function. There's a, (laughs) there's one guy I always think about, uh, he passed away recently, but there was a man that had polio Mm -hmm. and he was in an iron lung for like 60 years and he became a lawyer (laughs) (laughs) while he was in an iron lung. You know, can you imagine? And no. people here are threatening to kill themselves because Byleth is in Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does. It, it it like it puts things into perspective. And I like I guess one of my fears when I grow up, right, is like when I get older is that I'm going to stop thinking like that. Like I'm going to push those um, ideas of the fact that I should savor every moment away and I just I, I want to try to as I as I age to keep that feeling of like, look, every day that you're alive is amazing, you know, and you should really treasure it. And well, our life is constantly changing as yeah. we get older. We're going into different stages and we have different things to appreciate, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so the things that you appreciate now, you might not appreciate in 10 years, but you'll probably appreciate different things. 
No, yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, it, and it's funny because I, my, 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 uh, my wife and my other family members get on my case because I always say, like, when people ask me how I'm doing, uh, since I was like 12, I've always said, uh, I responded with, I'm alive. And people are like, that's like such a crappy, like, why would you say that? And I was like, no, 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 that's the positive thing is the fact that I'm breathing, yeah. right? Is like the fact that I'm breathing today, I could make a difference in someone's life. I could, I could do a number of things even if uh it can be bleak at times you know there's always hope when people feel defeated and they feel like you know nothing can get better i was i was on my couch one day and i i messaged pineapple about this um but uh i was watching television and there was a disney ad for Disney World and it had a dad and his daughter and they were they were hanging out and he took a photo of his daughter and then it flashed forward like 15 years and she's going to college and the dad's like sitting on the bed and he's like upset and she's like don't worry dad I'm coming back you still have me and he's like crying and mm-hmm. I'm sitting there like eating my oatmeal <laughs> with my water and I'm like you know what I've been feeling really defeated these last few days but when I'm an old man, I want my daughter to comfort me about her going to college. And I might not have a wife and I might not have a kid. Not yet. But if I were to sit around and not achieve the things I want to achieve now, I would yeah. have no chance at having a fantasy like that. I agree. Yeah, exactly. You gotta, I think, I think it's difficult. Cause I think you can get like blindly optimistic about like, Oh yeah, like I'm going to have this and all of this and it's going to be great. And that's like, well, it's going to be a hard road to get there. You know, Are you telling and, me I, I won't be able to go to the Disney world. I think you can. No, I think you can't go to Disney world. Okay. Um, right. Well, I'm just saying is like, I think the, your perspective is the perspective of it's going to be difficult and it might take a long time and I might not be there yet, but I can get there and, I, you know, I'm going to fight for it. Right. Um, Absolutely. And, and that's that's like that's the positive part of life. And that's what that's what we got to strive for. Um, so then I, I one of the questions I did want to ask you, because as someone who, um, you know, pretty much for me every day, I have a lot of anxiety. I've had, I've had anxiety attacks from time to time, things like that. Uh, and I can only imagine for you with with all with health complications and like medical bills and, and things that have piled on. Um, what are some things that have helped you kind of manage that and, and kind of get through the difficulties? Oof, that's a that's a toughie. Um, <laughs> it is. Well, <laughs> I didn't have an issue with anxiety before. Um, honestly, even after open heart surgery, I had no issues with anxiety. I felt fine. I felt indestructible. But it was after the pulmonary embolisms, I think I developed uh, somewhat of a PTSD complex. I was having so much insecurities with my health. I would feel Mm. a hair fall on my face. I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm having a stroke. (laughs) My face feels numb um, when I'd be totally fine. Uh, And I would start talking to people and I would I would get nervous and I would slur my words. And so that would in turn make me more nervous. I'd be like, is there something wrong with me? Am I forgetting how to talk to people? Mm -hmm. Um, And it would just kind of get out of control. And uh, for a little bit, I would just kind of mope. Obviously, that's not the answer you're wanting. That's not what anyone should do. But that's 
that was a, a big thing for me. And I, I like to think that I'm pretty much over it now, but it took a lot of work. That's one of the main reasons I went to the bakery because I was, wasn't in a place where I could stream because I, while I'm interacting with people, I'm still sitting in a, in a studio alone for 12 hours physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could have that voice in my head tell me there's things wrong with me when they might not even be true. But um, when I ended up working at the, the bakery and I was moving around doing an active job and just keeping myself going, uh, I didn't believe it, but people were telling me I needed a routine. All the days would blend together um, and I would lose sense of time. But once I started working consistently and getting myself going and having a regimen, and I wouldn't have time to think about crazy things like what could be going wrong with my body. And as I continued to do what I was doing, I remembered and I reassured myself that I'm okay and everything is okay. We're, our bodies are durable and we can take a lot of things. Um, as far as anxiety talking to people, that got better just the more I talk to people. It gets worse the less I talk to people. Uh, that's you just you have to make an effort there. You have to. We're, we're human. We like to communicate. It's a very important thing, um, and you just have to make an effort and put yourself out there. And if if that's still hard, you just have to be honest with people, be honest with your friends and take the steps you need. And I'm sure they'll be there to help you as well. But it wasn't easy. It, it took about a year for me to get to where I was when people saw me, how I was when I played arms, because mm-hmm. I went through a lot and I finally start to feel like I'm the same person again. Yeah. And so, so for you, as part of that also been maybe like, I know we've talked to other people about this surrounding yourselves uh, or surrounding yourself with people that actively support you and help you achieve those goals or, or you have people that you can rely on now i think that depends on the person i'm a very yeah. bad example of this because i i don't like when people think i'm weak or i'm mm-hmm. hurting or i have any sort of issue like that so i will i will go months or years without telling anyone that there's anything wrong with me but mm-hmm. i i also have such an internal optimism that fuels me um sometimes that can get shaky and i don't recommend this for a lot of people because not everyone people will go through different experiences and they handle them completely differently but i do agree that there are times in my life where i feel pretty pretty sore and uh upset and i'll go to discord and i'll start talking to people and they'll start making me laugh and smile and cheer up yeah. and i i do feel immensely better um yeah. It just depends. I, I'm really bad at reaching out, um, but for my own reasons. I mean, I think for someone in, in your situation, like with what you've gone through, I think it makes sense to kind of withdraw a little bit because exactly like, you know, you don't want to feel like people are telling you things or acting a certain way around you just because you, they know of what you've gone through, your health conditions and stuff. And well, I like, yeah, you know. I mean, up until I was, uh, even after the heart surgery, I was very strict on myself about acting normal and being normal. Yeah. Um, and then after the pulmonary embolisms, you know, I still had that mindset, but I couldn't go into a Twitch stream without people going, oh, hey, are you okay? How are you feeling? What's up? Are you are you doing better? Yeah. And I, I get the sympathy. You know, I get what they're doing. I just hated that look you know because yeah, i wanted to be I someone that. that would make people feel better about themselves not the other way around it was very important to me 
to be optimistic, be someone that people want to be around. And, you know, you don't, you don't come to a stream to hear someone talk about how sorry their life is or things like that. It's it's, sometimes it's the other way around when people are going through trouble and they want someone to make them laugh. Exactly. So it's been, it's been a very frustrating thing. So I guess the worse things get, the more I try not to tell people. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. Well, it's also like, um, you may be also trying to get through something and whenever someone keeps constantly reminding you of that past, it's like, it's hard to move through it. It's hard to keep pushing forward for a, uh, that, a positive outlook. Oh, I, I haven't really thought about it that way, but you're, you're, you're right in a way. Um, I've been told lately by a lot, by one of my best friends and a person I went on a date with, uh, they were like, when they heard about my history, they're like, man, you really shouldn't have kids. Oh. <laughs> a lot of people have said that and it's uh you know irritating to hear but you know whatever i've i turned out fine if i decide to have a child i'm sure we'll get through it (laughs) yeah exactly no that's that's really awful thing to be told especially when that's part of what you want you know yeah yeah it's difficult well i i guess one of the things i also wanted to ask you then was for other people who might be struggling with anxiety, stress, or even depression, um, what what might be some advice that you could give them um, in terms of maybe trying to get past it or, or working towards, um, you know, f- fixing their issues? I mean, that to me, anxiety and the depression. Question, it's a it's a big ass, yeah. Well, I, I feel like it's a case by case difference because I've I've had a lot of friends who are going through things. And anxiety mm-hmm. and depression to one person can mean something completely different to another. And I, I have been in a place where, um, in the way I describe depression, and I think for a while I was in there, you stop feeling anything. Like it's not so much you feel sad all the time, but you don't feel as happy. You know, yeah. you know, everything feels stunted. But that's that's something I got out of. Um, it, it really it just depends on a lot of things, man. Uh, yeah. People, friendship, things like that can happen. Setting goals for yourself. Um, one of my one of my best friends is. Um, I shouldn't show him this. Uh, he's he's pretty. He's, he suffers with depression hardcore, and I, I've been there for him every step of the way, and I've tried to to help him out when he's in a in a mood, mm-hmm. but he. Um, he always thinks there's going to be one answer to his problem and he'll just sit around in bed until he gets a job or something. But there's little things people can do exercise, getting up, moving around, feeling better about yourselves. I feel like oftentimes we set our own limitations and we hold ourselves back when you could easily get up, put on some shoes, go for a walk, listen to some music. And it might sound unappealing at first, but when you get yourself out there, you'll see a completely different side. You know, Um, you just can't, keep sitting around and feeling defeated because it just makes it worse and uh, it's, it's not the answer. I always think of it as, you know, you're talking about like a finding a quick solution. And I think the harsh truth is there aren't any quick solutions to anything no. in life, right? It's, it's a, it, and even the solutions that you find to maybe fix an issue that you're struggling with for life, right? Like people will struggle with depression, anxiety for a lifetime. 
And the things that worked at one point may not work at another stage of your life. And you may need to like, it's, it's always a work in progress. Like that's the thing about life is that until it's over, like it's always changing, you know, (laughs) it doesn't, it doesn't slow down. Um, and I agree. I think, you know, it, it, it does vary greatly from person to person. There's no one easy solution to, for anyone's case. I think people just need to try to let themselves be happy. And it's hard. Um, it's really hard when you're feeling bad and you're just absorbed in it. But if, you, if, like I said, if you start making those steps, regardless of where you are in life and what's changed, what your interests have changed, you have to make an effort. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really well put. And was there anything else on, on this topic or any other topics that you maybe wanted to add or discuss? Um, no, I mean, I, uh, I vomited it all there i mean if you have any questions for me i'm happy to answer them but i can't think of anything else off the top of my head no no i mean not i mean i think i think we've covered i mean really uh, you know we wanted to sort of delve into i mean, your life right and just sort of the struggles you've had and, and the way that you've gotten through it and um you know I'm, I'm just really thankful for for you being on the show with us today um you know i i find it very interesting to talk to anyone really and especially with you through after all you've been through uh, i just you know thought that you had a really great story and you just have such a positive outlook after life has given you such a you know? yeah no i mean long story short you only have one life and you should never give up. You should never give up that life. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many things you can achieve always. You just have to keep moving forward. I mean, bad days exist just to make the good days better. Yeah. Very well put. Well, man, th- thank you so much, Ten, for being on our show today. And um, right now, feel free to give your, you know, let people know where they can find you and also your stream. Um, and then I know we talked a little bit during the break about um, the game Temtem that you're going to be starting playing pretty soon. So feel free to talk about that a little bit. The episode might be coming out actually releases, but feel free to give listeners a, a little um idea of where they can find sure. you sure um you can always find me on twitter first off because that's where i will be 24 7 uh it's just 10 tan live if you're interested in finding my content um i used to stream full-time last year but it's a little less now that i'm adjusting into things with the job and all that but come mm-hmm. february i should be broadcasting five nights a week at twitch.tv slash 10 tan and uh other than that i mean discord <laughs> discord.gg slash 10 tan man okay. um but tim tim uh which we were talking about earlier that game launches uh next week it's a pokemon mmo that was on kickstarter for a while it's really awesome it looks phenomenal i've been playing a little bit in alpha i'm super super excited for it but um i've got all of uh, a large proportion of next week off and i'm just going to be streaming tim tim like 12 hours a day so you can come hang out talk to me let's uh let's chat i'm down i'm about it <laughs> well i know i for one will certainly be tuning in and, and hopefully picking up some uh some temtem tips so yeah let's trade temtems i appreciate it <laughs> gotta get them all gotta catch uh, all Tim Tan is gonna be the temtem <laughs> master that's actually why they partnered with me because they're like dude we love your name <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, bro. I'm about it. <laughs> That's really funny. I love that. Well, awesome. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for being on the show. And, and for all our listeners, we will uh, see you in the next episode with whatever guests we end up deciding to put on next. Uh, we appreciate your support. Again, you can find our show on Twitter at Wholesome FM. We're on uh, most streaming platforms for podcasts. And we appreciate your support and have a great day. Wholesome Transmissions is hosted and edited by Pineapple Freak and me. Episodes are produced by myself, our logo was created by Griffical, and our music was made by Scrimps.